I'm strapped up. Nothing. What was that about? Let's make the fight happen. We strapped the fuck up. Yes, 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 ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Strap Season Podcast. I'm your host, Flows, and I'm your host, Cam. This is episode, what, 36 now, bro? Yeah, 36. Crazy, crazy. Going um, fast, bro. It's gone mad. But yeah, um, before we get to the episode, make sure you like, subscribe, follow us on all the socials, on all streaming platforms. So whichever one's perfect for you, you'll find us there. But I'm excited for this one, bro, because today we have a special guest in the building. Uh-huh. Yes. Boxing out of the world's famous Fifth Street Gym and Fitzroy Lodge. We clipped up with this guy in Clubhouse and we have a few opinions which are very similar. And we're just bouncing back and forth on boxing. He's the founder of the Unapologetic Group. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Dan Roy Carter. What's up, fellas? How you doing? So nice to be here. Man, it's good to have you, bro. Really good to have you, man. Um, as Flo said, um, obviously, you know when you sort of bounce off someone just off the, the views alone, I sort of knew that, I guess both of us, we sort of knew straight away, like, yeah, this guy knows his stuff. He's saying, he's sort of saying the same things that we're saying. We can have a conversation. Like, we can have a boxing talk conversation. Um, just before, I guess, kicking, you know, just to introduce yourself, I guess, a bit more to the listeners, um, I asked this question with our last guest. Um, so I'm going to ask the same question to you. Um, when did you become a boxing fan? Um, just talk to, talk to us about, I guess, your boxing journey, how you became a fan, um, who's your favourite boxer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Just a quick brief overview for the listeners so that they can sort of get in tune with you. Yeah, sure, man. So, I mean, my, my love affair with boxing started uh, watching it over the shoulder of my dad when he was watching Lennox Lewis fights back in the day. Um, and it all kind of came full circle because one of the first guys I got to train with was Justin Fortune over in uh, Fortune Gym in Los Angeles. So, of course, you know, I had a, a short but a fun fight with Lennox back in the day and that. And But it, it really was Lennox and his era of heavyweights that did it for me. And then through that, I sort of discovered a lot of my other favorites like Marvin Hagler and such, you know, going back through the archives. And so that, you know, I was really just a fan for a long, long time. Um, and then I actually started boxing very late in my life. I, it was 2017 where I really started taking it a bit more seriously. I, I was having a few personal problems, like dealing with some mental health problems and uh, pretty severe burnout from, you know, working and operating in the music industry. And so I just, I looked at the sport and thought, you know what, this is the exact leveler I need. This is the sort of discipline. This is the sort of, you know, structure. And uh, it also just played into my uh, attitude as well. And so I, I committed to it and I came down from 128 kilograms at the beginning of 2017. I now fight at 81 kilograms. So, you know, that in itself, that was kind of like a Tyson Fury journey without all the sports cars and coke, you know, it was just kind of like my <laughs> way of climbing back down. And, and honestly, man, it's just, it keeps on leveling me. I keep on getting to work with these amazing people and these amazing fighters in all different countries. It's taken me around the world. I've sparred with people who, you know, professionals would be begging to spar with. You know, I've, I've got to meet some of my heroes. And honestly, boxing just keeps on giving and giving. And so I'm just trying to give back to it at every possible avenue and just make sure that I, I turn up and do the best thing I can in the sport. 
that's that's a bro. If I, I, I could shed a tear with that one, that's that's just amazing. Just hearing that, that's and my book is going to be stuff. out next week on Amazon. Okay, nothing. <laughs> Shameless one. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll give you we'll give you time to uh, plug that at the end. Yeah, 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 no, at the end, we'll get you to plug that as well. Don't worry, man. I'm not I'm not on that earlier Coley book energy yet. Don't worry. You know? <laughs> uh, and that's the thing. Um, even speaking to your clubhouse, you start to get a sense of your story is mad compelling. Some of the I mean, fights you've talked about and some of the experiences you've been through, it definitely clicks up and it, it resonates. So it's good to hear all that stuff, man. Um, your journey is, is, is sick. So pleasure to have you on board, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for joining us. This is going to be a great episode. Um, really looking forward to this. We've got a lot to, we've got, we've got a lot to sink our teeth into, right? Um, episode 36. Um, obviously, only one place to start, really. Um, yesterday, we see a, a number of, of bouts um, let's start over here at home. Uh, Matchroom had their May the first card. Um, as me and Flo have been saying, we said it last week as well. Absolutely stacked card. We're super excited for the fights on this card. Um, let's take it from the bottom and work our way to the top. Um, so I want to start with uh, just quickly touch upon, really briefly, I want to touch upon um, James Tennyson being shocked. Um, in the first round by a unheralded Mexican fighter who no one has heard of. Uh, I think his name was Saffron or something like that. Uh, 9-1 to one underdog. James Tennyson has been blasted out in the first round. Um, it, it flows. It's, I'm sounding like a broken record here. It, like, it keeps happening where Matchroom or BT, for example, or, you know, mainly Matchroom, they're bringing across these Mexicans who are un- unheralded unheralded, no one really knows of them and they're just coming to upset the Apple car. It's crazy stuff. Crazy, crazy stuff. Bro, um, we've told, we've told Matt Truman that he heard that they need to start avoiding these Mexicans. Because, <laughs> Trust. <laughs> because James Tennyson was on almost like a, what's it? Um, I don't know, he was like revamped. His last fight, he looked impressive. Um, Bro, they've been talking a lot about Tennyson. They've been talking they, things about Tennyson. Basically saying, I remember Nelson said in December that he thinks Tennyson beats Javante Davis. I'm not going to forget that comment. I'm not going to, I'm never going to forget Classic that Classic Johnny. Classic Johnny <laughs> Nelson. Love that. Man said he, he thinks Tennyson can beat Javante Davis. So yeah, he's been, I don't want to say, I want to say it's a hype train on him right now, but he's being pushed and he's been blown through his most recent opponents. And yeah, he's come across a guy the, the way the fight started, they both just came in, started trading. But there was no free in that process. They both were just in close quarters, bro, just swinging for the hills. And you can hear Tennyson's trainer shouting, pace yourself, pace yourself. And I think Tennyson, obviously, because of his last opponents, he was able to blast them out there quickly. He's gone in with the same mindset with this Mexican guy. And we've said it before, Flores, these Mexicans are tough as hell. And bro, they, don't, they don't play around. And yeah, all you gotta do is get get on your bike and box. Don't just try Don't. go back and forth trading with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, Daddy, did you catch that one? What were your thoughts? I about? did, man. And like honestly, if you look at the kid's uh, CV, like this kid already had a precedent for KOs and technicals. Like yeah. he really did. So mm-hmm. again, whoever was the matchmaker here needs to sit down, maybe brush off their LinkedIn because I don't know if they're going to be getting much business for a little while longer. Because, I mean, on paper, this was a bit of a risk. And where Tennyson's at in his career, you can really do without this kind of thing. You really, like, this This makes it 
harder for him at a time where, let's face it, boxing has been shaken by the pandemic. Inactivity is plaguing all divisions at this stage, you know. So I, to me, as much as the fans love an upset, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people were drinking very heavily in Mexico last night, you know, this is like, how have we not learned? Do not yeah. go in there and trade with a Mexican. Don't do it. I'm not talking stocks here. I'm talking boxing. Do not trade with a Mexican. Simple. 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 Like if, if you're listening out there and they line up. In fact, just avoid Mexicans. If you're British, <laughs> avoid Mexicans. Simple. It's, it's three times now. Um, obviously, Warrington was a big shock and there's another one that, that's escaping me. But yeah, um, it, just, it just keeps... Mm, do you remember, Flo? I can't remember the last one, but it, there's, it's about three times recent, of recent note where yeah. a massive underdog Mexican with who nobody knows has come over and rocked the British fighter or the, just the home fighter. It's, it's crazy. Um, they keep on doing it. And yeah, shout out to the Saffron kid um, because that's just made him, a, made him not only more bred, but also made him a bit of, you know, it's raised his clout level a little bit. So shout out to him, you know. Um, and yeah, he earned that. He really earned that victory because it was, yeah, they were both trading and basically he was able to take Tennyson's power and Tennyson couldn't take his. And that's all she wrote, literally. But, um, yeah, avoid these Mexicans if you can. Um, Please. <laughs> this is yeah. an urgent appeal at this stage. Please. <laughs> yeah. Um, moving on to the next fight on the card. And I was a bit taken aback by this because I didn't expect it to, to be so low down on the card. Um, but it was. And for me, this was the pick of the fights. This is the fight I was looking forward to the most. Um, I said it last week on the pod flows that this is what I've, you know, I've been excited for this time. Uh, a world title fight coming on at 7.30 underneath some of the other fights to me was ludicrous. Um, but I can understand, I can, I can kind of understand why now um, in terms of obviously these other fighters have got famous dads. <laughs> so... <laughs> One, and also I think um, Bivol, so I'm, I'm talking about Craig Richards versus Dimitri Bivol. Bivol wanted to go early to catch the Russian fans, mm-hmm. um, apparently. So that's why, I guess, in, in the grand scheme of things, it was a bit early. But yeah, still too early for me personally. But yeah, Dimitri Bivol versus Craig Richards. Um, we said last week, the way we canvassed, canvassed it last week, flows. we said, obviously, we're both rooting for Craig Richards super hard. But we acknowledge that this is a crazy step up. To go from Shaq and Peters, which is British level, to a world title is insane of a step up. And yeah, well, it's I think... not just world title, man. He's top two. It's... Yeah, I think he's <laughs> top two in the division <laughs> comfortably. Um, we both foresaw that we didn't really see a win coming for Craig, but at most, we want to see that he can hang in there, kind of, and not disgrace himself. And I can happily say that I wouldn't say he disgraced himself at all. Um, I thought Craig Richards. Yes, we saw the levels between the two of them, but he was able to give Dimitri Bivol some trouble in portions. Um, yeah, I'm assuming both of you caught the fight. Yeah. Uh, what were your yeah. thoughts towards it, Flores? I mean, to be... Oh, Dan, no, Dan, no, no, Dan, you go, you go, you go. You go, you go. <laughs> no, I mean, my, my thing is simple, right? Like, Richards has lost to two bloody good opponents right and so mm-hmm. I don't I, I respect the guy I respect him for stepping up at this stage but I think at this point we just have to accept that Bivol is Bivol and you, you touched on it man there's levels to this 
Bivol's up there now and he's sticking around. I really think for in the light heavyweight game right now, he is one of the most exciting prospects. And I, even with ring rust, he kept his you know ship afloat very convincingly. So if, if that's you with a, a year or so's ring rust, then mm. imagine how you're going to be with a bit more activity. And, you know, 18 fights in, I think he's one of the most exciting prospects in the division, 100%. Mm. Okay. What were you first? How, how did you... I, I, I didn't even account for the ring rust, you know. Bivol... Yeah, he hasn't fought since 2019, I believe. I completely forgot about that. So imagine, like you say, if he was active. Because when you look at him, you can just see the difference in class and the difference in experience. Yeah. I mean, you could say Craig Richards didn't perform his best, but then that's what great fighters do to you. I mean, they don't let you perform at your best. They'll take yeah. away your tools. Like you see it with Canelo, you've seen it with Floyd. They don't let you get your your best work off. Yeah. And he's so crafty in there, man, with the way he controls the distance, he changes levels, the way his lead hand changes levels as well. And his lead foot as well. His lead foot is so, yeah, yeah. Constantly just applies pressure without throwing punches. When he's yeah. changing the level of his lead hand, yeah. you don't know where that jab's going to come from. Trust. <laughs> and then the right hand will come out of nowhere as well. Yeah. Um, so just a tricky customer, man. Yeah, there was a lot of, I think there was a lot of portions in that fight where Bivol's work, I was thinking, so this is really good. As you mentioned, the lead hand and the lead foot applying pressure without throwing a punch. That's a very, very good skill to have. Not many boxers can do it. Um, and obviously his head movement's really good and footwork. Um, and I guess the earlier portions of the rounds, he was having his way. Um, I think for me, I wanted to see Richards be more authoritative with his jab. The jab, mm-hmm. um, I think that would have... The jab was... He, he was pouring at it and... Yeah, I think partly down to just him is inexperienced and just him, you know, yeah, the jab not being good. But also, I got to give credit to Bibbo because his head movement was was a one to be honest. And um, I think every time, obviously, Richards will pour out the jab, Bibbo was able to slip underneath it and then fire off his own combos. And he's 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 got quick hands, Bibbo, very quick hands. And that was, I guess, sort of the tail of the fight for a large portions of the rounds. And it's coming towards now, but I guess the later rounds. And one thing I noticed from both fighters, actually, was the body work in that fight was non-existent from both fighters, to be honest. And it was annoying me that Richards wasn't investing in the body early, earlier because Bivol was fighting with a high guard up. Mm, yeah. Um, you saw like the winky, the, the winky right, you know, high guard sort of catching punch with the high guard. To, and to me, I'm looking at it and thinking to myself, yo, his body's open. Craig, bang to the body. Bang to the body. Go to the body. Uh, we, we stress how important body work is for us. Yeah. And flat fighters tend to headhunt. But the body, you know, if the body's open, go to it. And it would slow Bivol down. And he only then, he only started to invest in the body late on. And obviously later on toward the latter rounds, that's when Craig Richards started doing his best work. He started to take more risks. I was calling for him to take risks. And he finally did. And even though he was getting caught, he was... He was winning some of the latter rounds to me because of the fact that he was investing in the body and he was taking risks and sitting in the pocket and not being on the back foot. Because for most of the fight, Bivol was pressuring him without really pressuring him like that. But yeah, he stood in the middle and started to trade. And that's when he started to find success. Um, so for me, it's a, it's a steep learning curve. And even though he did lose, it was a valiant effort. And as long as he takes away something from that fight, I think oh, he would take away a lot. He would have learned so much. So, so much. Um, but yeah, 
what, what, what do you guys make of Bilbo then? Because obviously, Danny, you thought you said like you know you, he's a great talent and whatnot. I think we see a lot of critique with Bivo is that compared to Baturbiev, Bivo doesn't have that sort of killer instinct that Baturbiev has. Whereas mm. Baturbiev, I said, I think goes into every fight looking to knock out his opponent. Well, it's true because he's won every fight by KO, so he must go <laughs> yeah. in with that mentality. Bivo is content to sort of outbox you and just chill and not go for the kill. If if unless you're like super super hurt. Even if he like, even if he could apply the pressure to try and get you out of there, he's not. He's happy just sort of building up a lead on the scorecards and then just relaxing and just doing enough to get by. And I think we saw that again in the Craig Richards fight. I feel like he could have, towards the latter end of the fight, he could have applied more pressure on Craig, and he was catching Craig flush with combinations and stuff. But he was just content to sort of just ease back off and get the W. Um, do you think that holds him back in terms of? I guess, clout and sorts of, you know, fan love, etc. Because Baturbio, when we think of that division, it's always Baturbio's name that's mentioned first. That's who everyone turns to. And Bivol has had, what, more fights and more defences than what he's been more active in Baturbio, I think. But people don't really tend to mention him. So do you think that's sort of holding back a little bit, Danny? Uh, I mean, yes and no. I mean, the light heavyweight division is so interesting right now because at an experience level... It's a pretty even playing field when you look at it. You know, uh, better BF, he's 16 and 0 right now. Bivol's 18 and 0. We've got Boatsy at 13 and 0. Like, you know, everybody, Lyndon Arthur, of course, 18 and 0. Like, you know, like it's a relatively even playing field in that respect. We don't have a bunch of old timers with, you know, with exception to Pascal and such. It's so, for me, it feels like a very even playing field. Mm. But at the same time, like you say, I guess better BF's highlight reel is probably earning him a bit more kudos. And, and I hear a lot of people talk about him and Bivol fighting. And yeah. the idea seems to be that it would be a walkthrough for better BF, which, which I don't necessarily agree with. I don't agree with it at all. Um, no, but that seems to be the, the status quo, yeah. doesn't it? And that, yeah. that blows my mind a bit. And I think, again, I, I rant about this all the time. This is where highlight reels and social media clout can be a little bit uh, counterproductive in boxing because you can mm. look at people's highlight reels without knowing that the guy they knocked out was an Uber driver who finished his shift and came straight to the venue, right? And, yep. and yeah. you know, it's again, you can't take it too seriously. If I've learned one thing just in my time actually, you know, boxing, it's that resumes are only as deep as you care to look at them, right? Mm. It's you, if you want to go and look at the quality of a fighter, go and look at how frequently they're fighting, who they're fighting, and yep how they're putting them away if they are, yeah. right? And, and that's, again, why I can't really take these early, you know, Hatton Jr. and some of the early fights particularly seriously because I think together they all have more losses than wins across the whole card. So, again, it's, it comes down to a quality thing. Mm. I think with time, Bivol's going to fill that gap. I okay, really do. So and and you, the next few fights need to be big. Do you feel like if they were to, you know, because obviously, obviously afterwards they asked Bivol, what next? Because obviously, yeah, they mentioned Baturbia being there. Um, Bivol himself has said that he's happy to drop down the division to fight the winner of Canelo Lee Joe Saunders. Of course he is. Uh, <laughs> everyone chasing kids. <laughs> so <they're laughs> Canelo is just an anchor right now for boxing. Everyone's moving around here. It's crazy. Um, mm. Like a magnet to everyone, really. Um, but yeah, um, they said that as well. Um, do you feel like, Obviously, if the unification, because I'm not really interested in him seeing, I'm not really too interested in, in him dropping down to fight the winner of Canelo beat Joe Saunders. I'm happy with where he is now. 
um, if unification was to be made with Baturbiev, who do you see winning that one? I mean, my heart of heart would have to put go behind Baturbiev, to be honest. And, and I say that just on having watched a few more of his fights throughout and seeing how he puts himself together. But I would not write Bivol off for a second. And I, again, I, I think it's the best fight to make it like heavyweight right now. 100%. What about you, Flores? I think it's a, close, it's a closer fight than most people have it. I, mm. I think Bivol's craftier, if mm. I'm being honest. Um, yeah, I'll probably agree with you. Yeah. I think he's, he's crafty in there, but then it's Baturbiev's power. This is crazy. Scary. That's, 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 <laughs> and it's hard to write off someone with power. But um, yeah, I, he, it's, I, I, I don't think we need to say it straight away because mm. I, I would like it to be a bigger fight than what it would be now. So, Do you think someone should go for Joe Smith Jr.? Or is it one of those two, obviously? Um, um, don't even need to fight Joe Smith because I'd rather see Lyndon Arthur to take on Joe okay, Smith yeah. Jr. first yeah. because yeah, yeah. he's number yeah. one Agreed. now. One. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll maybe just like for them to build up their resume individually. So some people talked about Callum Johnson versus Bivol. I'd like to see that. Mm. Um, then we have like a measuring stick to see how Bivol compares to Callum Johnson because Baturbi has fought him already. So... Mm. I'm not in any rush to see that fight. I don't think these guys are ducking each other. It, they're both Russian, right? So yeah, they're both Russian. <laughs> yeah. That could be a huge fight in, in Russia. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy to let it wait. I like Bivol, but yeah. it, I just can't. The, the power of Baturbia is scary. Yeah. Um, I would so also I, I'm still on the that. fence right now. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I lean towards Baturbia at the moment. Obviously the power, I think he's, yeah, also, I would say that his resume is probably better than Bivol's. If I'm going with the Govodsky, uh, I, can't, I can never say his name, but you know, the Ukrainian, he was also, yeah. he was very, very good. And that was a really mm. tough fight. And obviously, Karen Johnson, who I kind of I rate as well. So I'll probably say that he's had a, a better resume than Bivol at the moment. But yeah, I wouldn't write Bivol off at all. And it's not a whitewash for Baturbi at all. Bivol is really, as you said, craftier, I think, with his work, a bit more subtle with it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a great fight down the line and a massive fight for Russia. Um, what next for Craig Richards then? Um, it was, like, like I said, it's, it was a valiant performance. He would have taken away a lot from that fight. He's shown that he can sort of hang out at this level. Um, I guess because the domestic scene is thriving, I can see him against a domestic opponent next. Um, is, is there anyone particularly you guys would like to see him fight next? He's still, got a, he's still got a British title, right? Yeah. Yeah, so he's, he's got opportunity. I think... He's gonna watch that fight twenty times back and learn something new every single time he watches it back. Yeah, just being in that ring and seeing what Bivol was able to do, he's gonna learn so much. I think he was learning in the fight as well. He was, yeah. We saw, we saw him improve in the latter half. So, I think that's a wealth of experience he's got. He can go fight at the domestic level again. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's stacked right now. So all of these guys can still mix it in with each other. Yeah, and it's two um, losses, but it's two can't like he's also two great great guys and. He's conduct, you know, he's acquitted himself good in both losses, I'd say. So, um, yeah, um, he can come again. Craig Richards is definitely, we're definitely going to see him again. He can definitely come again. He's still got a lot to improve. He's still what? He's only what, 26 or whatnot, I think. So he's still got a lot of time on his hands. Um, but yeah, hard luck, Craig. But it was a great effort and it was rooting for you, but it just wasn't to be, man. It's just the class. I mean, uh, you see the levels for a reason. Um, but I'm sure we'll see him again. Um, Moving on to next fight. The return of Chris Eubank Jr. Danny's smiling. I know why Danny's smiling. I really know why. Um, 
Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, go on. <laughs> I know what you think of Chris Eubank Jr. Before we get into the fight, Danny, t- t- tell us what you think of Chris Eubank Jr. And then <laughs> we'll get into the I fight. Think, I think Chris Eubank Jr. is the son of Chris Eubank Sr. And I have very little other opinions of him other than what I see when he boxes. And, and at this stage, that that's sweet F.A. for me. Um, just Just being... Honest and uh, no, I've been thoroughly unimpressed. I've been thoroughly unimpressed by him to date. I, uh, waking up this morning, I was still thoroughly unimpressed, <laughs> which is hard to believe given that he's now got one of my all-time favorite fighters coaching him. Um, but you know what? I don't need to see poor man Roy Jones Jr. on a matchroom card. I want to see British fighters doing their thing. I don't want to see people admiring their own work all the time. I don't want to see people bragging about hooking up with birds and you know not doing cardio and all of this in the after interviews and stuff i, I want to see domestic fighters with integrity and class which is would love him or hate him his uh, his father did show a lot of class throughout his career and he was an incredible boxer but i don't see that in eubank jr and it, you know what it's, it's easy to say stuff about somebody when they're not you know to their face S- sadly he sat in front of me at um Chisora White 2 at the O2 and, and he seems like just as much of a prick as I'm making him out to be here. So, you know, what can I say? Like, damn. If the shoe fits. Damn, 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 damn. Um, it's interesting because a lot of the sentiments you have for Eubank Jr. I have as well. Um, never been the biggest fan of him um, as a boxer. Um, um, as a person, I don't really care for him like that, but yeah, he, he can be. He, he, he's, not, he's never really been the most humble and I think my issues with him have stemmed, obviously, the fact that, you know, he's gone throughout his career without, without a trainer. And I'm just, I wasn't a fan of, the, I guess, the arrogance to believe that you don't need a trainer to compete at this level. I think that's ludicrous. Um, if, you do, if you are going to win a world title and be elite, you have to have a trainer in your corner. It's admirable that he's got this far about a trainer. But, yeah, for, for him to be winning against world titles and whatnot, you've got to have a, a experienced person in your corner. And yeah, he's gone and got that in Roy Jones Jr. of all people. I mean, who would have saw that one coming? I mean, that link up happening, but you know, I think Flo's even questioned whether he was like Roy Jones was his head trainer. I said, I think he is. And as we found out, you know, he is now uh, Junior's head trainer and he's yep. fully in, the, in his corner. And it's funny because I'm, Leading up to the fight, I'm watching, obviously, interviews of Roy and Chris. And, obviously, they, they've had, you know, interviews together. And I'm thinking to myself, is, is, is Roy making Chris a bit more likable now? Like, he seemed a bit, he seemed, like, before the fight, he seemed a bit more humble. He was talking a bit nicer. He wasn't his usual egotistical self. I'm thinking to myself, this is, this is definitely down to Roy's influence. He's actually listening to Roy. Um, because, yeah, they say Eubank never listens. Um... So yeah, I, I tuned I tune into the fight with intrigue, I guess, because I said to myself, I just wanted to see how he takes to Roy, how he takes direction and how he improves as a boxer. Um, did he look good? Let's, let's, let's get into it. How did he look? I he, didn't watch it. So. He, looked, he looked okay. Um, there were times when, in terms of differences, yeah, he, he, looked, he, he looked, he didn't have to look good against Morrison. Morrison was an opponent that was, that was super passive and... He wasn't really ambitious, Morrison, I would say. Um, it was a very passive performance from him. I, I wasn't familiar with Morrison, to be honest. I don't know if you guys were. Um, but yeah, but leading up to it, I, w- I didn't really know who he was. 
Danny, do you do you know who uh, Morrison? I, was I wasn't I wasn't that aware of him either, to be completely honest. But what yeah. I will say is that he was game. He was definitely game. I think he just lacked confidence. Mm. And and to be honest, Eubank Junior has plenty of confidence. So in that respect, you know it. It kind of was what it was. My my problem, right? And I, this mm. is something I'd be interested to get your take on. Okay. I heard them talking about how like I could have taken him out, but I wanted the rounds and this and that. Like I'm That's sorry, basic, yeah. but where where you're at at Chris Eubank Jr.'s career, like you're not counting rounds anymore. You're 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 calling out Kelbrook, bloody uh, Williams, you know Triple G. Like mm-hmm. you're not in it for the rounds. So so what kind of an excuse is that? You're te- you're telling us that you could have got this guy who was clearly game, who still managed to you know at times come forward. That you just went around, so you spared him. Like I don't buy that. I don't buy that for a second. Yeah, it was odd because yeah, throughout the fight, I think it was like three three moments in the fight: second round, sixth round, and ninth round, if, if memory serves me correctly. Where Eubank has had Morrison super hurt, and it's like okay, cool, he's a few punches away from being stopped, and each time, like he'll have him hurt, he will sort of stop, step back, let him recover. And it, it was, yeah, you, you're, three times it's happened, Flores. And it's like, wait, what? And yeah, obviously at the end, he's then gone to, yeah, I, you know, I, I decided to spare him because I, I wanted the rounds. I haven't fought a lot of rounds since. Obviously, he hasn't fought a lot. Obviously, the Korobov fight ended in the second round, right? So yeah. he's had little rounds. But I just found it a bit odd. Um, for me, Morrison, he was only game when he was in trouble. I think there were times throughout the fight where when Eubank would open up, um, this is still the same flaw that Eubank has because he attacks in a straight line. As soon as he opens up, he's so easy to counter. So, mm. so easy to counter. Because he, he, he doesn't really angle you. He will come directly to you in a straight line and start swinging like widely kind of. And it was catching Morrison, but he was landing like good counter shots, good counter right hands. And my issue with Morrison was he would land a good counter and then go back into his shell. Instead, mm. of, instead of him to follow up that counter with a few good shots, and that was really, really annoying me because I was like, look, Eubank's there to be hit. And clearly you've got the good, you've got time. Morrison's timing was pretty decent. And apparently he's very powerful as well because I think Eubank did feel some of his shots, but he was way too passive in following, following up his work. And that annoyed me a little bit. And that's why I feel like Eubank, Eubank basically fought in burst flows. Um, he, would, he would fight hard for like a, a, like a massive flurry for about a minute and then he would just chill and take the rest of the round off. Um, he, he's always kind of done that, to be honest. Um, he, tends to, he tends to fight in bursts, and it was the same. Um, so yeah, so- and it's so strange that he does that because he's such a specimen athletically. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. well, you know, as much as yeah. I, I gave him a hard oh, time yeah. at the beginning I, of this segment, yeah, yeah. as an athlete, that guy is Me and always agree. turning up very athletic. in incredible shape. Yeah, yeah so, you, so I don't understand. You know, I understand why Chisora has to fight in bursts, yeah. but I don't understand <laughs> why Eubank Jr. does. You know, yeah. it just... Doesn't really stack up for me, and, and that ties in with the thing you said about rounds. I'm still pondering why he feels he needs a bunch of rounds. He's not like he's because he looks like he works hard. He keeps himself in shape. Mm-hmm. Like Cam, you said he lives the life. So I'm I'm intrigued as to why he feels he needs rounds. Maybe because he's working with Roy Jones Jr. and he wants to try out new things. That's, I, I yeah, that's, that's what he implied. That's what he did imply. Then. Did you see anything new? Did you see Roy Jones's influence? I, I'll, I'll be honest. Did? From what I could tell, in terms of so yeah, I sort of touch upon the same old, the same flaws or the same flaw, the same old Eubank that he had. But I would say leading up to, I guess, some of before he got to the later rounds where he sort of the old habits came back in. Before I did see a sort of more, a more measured approach. Eubank usually tends to just go in guns blazing straight away kind of thing, and 
be wide and aggressive and go for it. And I, I did see him sort of contemplate what he's going to do in terms of ponder his moves, measure, you know, measure his approach. Um, he's never really used a jab like that, but there were times where he was using, I guess, the double, triple jab to sort of back up Morrison and stuff. So I would say that might be, to be fair, Roy Jones never really used a jab either, to be fair. But just that measured approach, I think it was probably a hallmark of Roy. And that probably came from Roy's influence, I think, just taking his time with it. But at the same time, that could also just be ring rust. I don't know. But yeah, he, I, do, I do think he, he, did, he did appear a bit more measured to me, a bit more measured. What about you, Danny? Did you see any sort of, or not really? Not really, no. I mean, I, like, like you said, I think measured's a good way to put it. Mm. And, and I think there was definitely an influence of something that wasn't there. And I don't know if it was necessarily the Roy Jones influence. I mean, I, I, at least he wasn't in there trying to just point blank imitate Roy Jones from the outset, because that would have been very strange and just quite, you know, obscure, really. <laughs> Cringy. Yeah, yeah. It would say when people start trying to do the, you know, the Tyson peekaboo style stuff or, you yeah. know, the, the Philly shell, which, which doesn't suit 80% of the boxing world that people still do. <laughs> yeah, well, it worked well for him, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, my, my thing with Eubank Jr. is really simple. Like, he wants to fight Williams, who we just saw hold his shit with Andrade. Mm. He's also talking about Kel Brook, who I think still has enough in to give him a hard day. The main, the wants... the main, yeah, it's Triple G. That's the main one he's talking. He said he yeah. wants Triple G end of the year. That's the main fight he's still going for. I'm no matchmaker, but I, I could not think of a worse thing to do at this stage in his career than put him in front of Triple G. It's probably, to be fair, for him, it's probably the best time to take Triple G now, considering that Triple G is a fading force. I think of Triple G of a few years ago is, is murdering him, but Triple G, I guess, is sort of on a, a decline. Um, Flores, as our resident uh, Triple G super fan, <laughs> I was super <laughs> fan in bracket. Do you feel like that's a fight that you would like to see? Eubank, or do you think Eubank gives him trouble? Um, I'd like to see it. I'll, see, yeah. I'll watch it. I think um, I've not watched this fight. I don't think at any point in Chris Eubank's career so far he beats Triple G. And mm. you know, I don't rate Triple G <laughs> as much as everyone else does because I think when you look at his resume, he's been a bunch of. But anyway, <laughs> back to the topic. <laughs> um, yeah, L- I, Lil G. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I'd like to see Eubank versus Williams. I think that will be mm. if he can pass that test. Mm. Then yeah, you can call out Triple G. You can't just call out Triple G. That's the thing with Eubank. He, he does this. He does, he does this a time. lot. He just yeah. calls people out without earning it. So trust. Mm. You got to earn it. Yeah. I mean, you put him in front of Charlo at this stage. Boy, get him murdered. Charlo's another oh, name exactly. he's called out as well. Yeah, he, he's yeah. called out Charlo. He, yeah, he does this all the time. It annoys me. He, he thinks he can just sort of talk his yeah. way into a big fight. You got to earn it, bro. Simple. simple. And yeah, a Williams fight is a nice little earning, earning fight, I guess. Williams came out and was talking smack and said, yeah, he's going to destroy Chris Eubank off that performance, etc. Make it happen. Set it up. Let's see it. Mm. I'll tell you what, remember we asked the question, we've done an episode, Danny, where we, fantasy fights, we said Chris Eubank Jr. in his prime versus Chris Eubank Sr. Who takes it? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sr. killing his son. <laughs> Battering his son. Man. Oh, um, man. But, um, goes from here, man. Yeah, I, I didn't say the post-fight, whatever, but you said his, you said his post-fight interview was interesting, right, Danny? Well, I mean, again, a lot of names being called. Yeah, okay. Names that I just 
don't think should be coming out of his mouth at this mm. stage in his career. Some ver- some very strange bragging rights, and, and of course jumping right on this whole Billy Joe Saunders hate yeah. train, which is which is a very easy one for him to do and justifying mm. his uh, his ten k bet and such. Uh, he seems to be under the impression. Yeah, that I saw that. It's yeah. going to be it's going to be Billy Joe Saunders coming crawling back to him post Canelo loss and all of this Still. stuff and. Flows, did you hear about this? The ten k he's got. Yeah, he's got he's got ten k bet on Canelo to beat Billy Joe. Is that what? Uh, yeah, but to, to knock him out or something like that. Yeah, and obviously he's there saying that he hopes he actually what well, he said he he actually what he said he wants Saunders to win because then they can have a domestic dust up because he said they have to have a rematch. Obviously, um, he always talks as if Saunders needs him. Always, he's been doing this ever since the loss. And it's mm-hmm. like, bro, come on, man. Let's see. I, I've called Eubank Jr. one of the most deluded boxers out there. Um, you know, his, his delusions are up there with Amir Khan and certain other people. But yeah, I think that's deluded. Saunders, we can see, is somewhere else right now, bro. He's, he's miles away. He he's a different is. shelf in the shop. He is a completely different literally, shelf in the shop. Literally. And, <laughs> and he's, you know, he's not been as active as could have been, let's face it. But exactly. he still managed to make the right decisions and the right fights at the right time. Yeah. 100%. And there's something to say about that. Yeah, we'll yeah. talk about Billy John. Obviously, we'll, we'll, we'll canvas that later. Um, cool. I, I, I'm not going to talk about Campbell Hatton. I, I have no. I have, <laughs> I, I've got no beef for the young guy, but I've got no issue. No, no you know, I, I don't really care right now. <laughs> so, I'm what gonna... can you say? What can you say? Again, another Uber driver had a really bad night. <laughs> I, what I can say is um, he's Ricky Hatton's son, and his father's fought in that stadium many times. So, yeah, <laughs> he's Ricky Hatton's son once again. Yeah. Um, Let's move swiftly on to Afro's pick of the fights beforehand. Um, yeah. The fight Afro was most excited for, or flows, sorry, should I say? Um, <laughs> um, yeah, the best fight on the card, to be honest. It lived up to, the, it lived up to expectation. Um, Katie Taylor versus Natasha Jonas. Flows, do you want to wax lyrical about that one? Man's applauding. I'm, I'm applauding because <laughs> that's what I was doing during the fight. The only negative I think I can say about that fight is. I wish it was three minute rounds. Um, that was the main event for me. Um, mm. The next fight after that was a filler fight. So if you wanted to stay in tune in for that, this was the fight where the money's at. And it was beautiful to see, man. Um, I didn't think Natasha could do it because Katie Taylor's so skilled in there and her feet quick, her hands rapid. But what I will say, I mentioned how Bivol and Canelo don't allow fighters to fight at their best. Katie Taylor seems to just let you... She'll fight how you want to fight kind of thing. If you want to scrap, she's there for you to scrap. She'll let you fight at your best if you want to fight at your best and she'll beat you at your best. She doesn't take away things from you too much, but you just can't outdo her. Her hand speed's too good. Her footwork's too good. The the skill level is is too wide, but it's always going to be an entertaining fight with her because she she doesn't... hold back and she, she's a true fighter is what I call she's a true fighter she'll fight how, how you want to fight it's amazing fight man a great advert for boxing that fight was simple once again the women are staying in the show once again they always do it I've said it before I don't think I've seen a bad women's fight um, they all come to scrap it's always exciting um, yeah low key I knew that this was going to you know, steal the show and it, it, it boy did it steal the show um I want to talk about Natasha Jonas because I, I want to give her all the credit in the world as well. And I, I think her game plan for this fight was the game plan she had with her, with, with her trainer. I think Joe Gallagher was, a, was in her corner. Was it Joe Gallagher? Yeah, I think it was Joe, Joe Gallagher. Gallagher. Yeah. Yeah. Joe Gallagher. 
Um, spot on. The game plan was spot on. Um, she was looking to time, I guess, obviously, KT has the speed, superior yeah. speed. We know that. But Jonas' timing uh, on Saturday was brilliant. And she was catching Katie Taylor coming in every time Katie, Katie Taylor tried to come in with, I guess, with her own little flurries. She would catch her with a big shot. She was working the body to try and slow Katie down. She was, she was authoritative with her jab. It was just a really, really good game plan from Natasha Jonas. And she boxed, I think she boxed out of her skin. Um, yeah. Not much, not much. She didn't put a foot wrong, in my opinion. It's just testament to how good Katie Taylor is. And the fact that Katie Taylor, whenever she's facing serious adversity, and there were moments in that fight where Natasha Jonas was having serious success, and I'm thinking, whoa, she's, she's nicking around here as well. This could be, this is super, super tight. We'll see how close it was. Katie Taylor will just bite down and say, nah, not, you're not taking this from me. <laughs> you're not taking this from me. And she'd do a match like, bro, the 10th round, this is just highlighting the conditioning of Katie Taylor and Natasha Jones, but Katie Taylor specifically I want to highlight. She was throwing those combos off in the 10th round after taking all those shots after that grueling fight. She was throwing off, you know, throwing multiple combos in the 10th round as if it was the first round. What amazing conditioning and what amazing heart and determination, man. Bro. Danny, what do you make? What do you make of what, it? What, what do you make of the fight, Danny? I mean, you know, you, you know, I'm a massive Chisora fanboy. So if I say that this was the highlight fight of my, you know, <laughs> night, then you, it, it says it all, man. Because as you say, this is the sort of thing that is going to get a new generation gassed about boxing. These kind of matchups, these kind of performances. Like I, I knew what to expect from Katie Taylor. You know, I, I know why she is where she is. I learned a lot about Natasha Jonas from this fight. Uh, and she has a new fan in me now, truly, because just the way she found answers, the way she could, you know, those last two rounds, I was literally on the corner of my couch. I literally, I was there because just when I thought, right, I know where this is going now, somebody took back, the, you know, the cards. And that is, that's exactly what we need right now. I want to see this fight replayed in a crowd. I want to be in that crowd. I will pay yeah. whatever I need to, to be in the crowd for that, because I'm telling you, these two women are testament to modern boxing. We need more of it. We need more of it. Imagine if there was a crowd there, man. They would be going crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Bro, I just wish it was 12 rounds, three minutes. I need that. <laughs> and bro, I mean, they, they, they could. They could yeah, they and they could. should. Look the at those women. They're, they're better conditioned than most men. Facts. And it's, yeah. It's I, I need more of it. I need more. I need three minute rounds, 12 rounds. Let's do it. Yeah. I, I felt cheated. <laughs> that part yeah. was brilliant. And it, like you say, they could have kept going. Yeah, man, it was amazing. The fight, yeah, it was some of the fight really. It was Katie Taylor's obviously speed, fleet of foot, hand speed, and whatnot against Natasha Jones's, I guess, power and timing, to be honest. And mm-hmm. Katie Taylor was able to sort of bite down and sort of get it, you know, eke out the wind and show her class in the end. But yeah, like I said, Natasha Jones pushed her all the way. Obviously, we knew it was a re- renewal of the rivalry. This fight's been like, what, 12 years in the making or something like that? Because obviously, they fought. In the amateurs Olympics, I think it was. Yeah, um, 12, I think 2012. It was. Katie Taylor took that. Natasha Jones has come on leaps and bounds. We we've mentioned the Harper fight, how we felt she was robbed with that one. Um, she should have won that, and she have got the belts with that one. I really want to see Natasha Jones before she retires. I feel like she she should hopefully win a world title. She deserves it. Um, she's had two hot tough losses, um, especially yeah. with the Harper one. Um, mm. So yeah, she she should come again. Um, and I would love to see a rematch, to be honest. I would love to see a fur fight between the two. 
Um, if that happens, um, that'd be amazing. But yeah, man, hats off to those girls once again, man. Just an incredible show. Definitely the fight of the night. 100% the fight of the night. Easily, man. I was, <laughs> I was applauded. <laughs> yeah, I, I literally, when I, I said that, I said, after the fight was over, I was clapping. I was like, yeah, stand up, applaud, because what these girls have done, matting. And that's, it's like back-to-back cards now, Wayne. We've seen this because, because you remember the last card we talked about, uh, Flores, it was, uh, what, Bonnie Bridges versus Shannon Courtney. That was an incredible fight yeah. as well. That was a good fight. That was, that was Gatti and Ward-esque yeah. in terms of when they were just standing and trading at times. I thought, and I'll, to, I'll be honest with you, I went into that fight with very low expectations. And Same here. That made, <laughs> me, that made me challenge why I had low expectations, to be honest. Yeah. And, and I think it's more about... The, the etiquette outside of the ring and things like that but yeah. you know it's again like you say we keep getting these incredible matchups and we keep getting these incredible performances and it's good because honestly I've been blessed to train with amazing female fighters mm. across the board and I'm talking you know I've watched I've watched Clarissa Shields beat the living daylights out of men at Fifth Street Gym when she's been there <laughs> sparring and things you know honestly I the conversation is changing because it's not men's boxing and women's boxing anymore. It's boxing and yeah. the female fighters are turning up. And I think it's putting a lot of male fighters on notice because 100%. sooner than later, we're going to have these women acting as the household names that they deserve to be. Yep. Perfectly said, Danny. Couldn't have said it better myself. That's literally what, yeah, me and Flores have been saying. They keep putting men to shame. Um, men, fix up. <laughs> Simple yeah. as. Fix Some up. <laughs> I've never, I've, never, I've never heard women say, oh, you're on the other side of the street. Uh, uh, I want to spend some time with my family. I'm not really sure about my next move. They get in there and they fight. Trust I'm they put in the show. Trust me. Yeah. Um, and yeah, speaking of men, obviously, we've got to head over to the main event now. <laughs> um, Chizora versus Parker. Um, yeah, it's a tough act to follow, but turned out to be, actually turned out to be a decent fight, to be fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, going into it, Obviously, I've heard, I know what flows. Obviously, I heard what, you know, what you sort of thought going into it. What, what, Danny, what were your thoughts sort of going into this fight when it was made? Who, what were you thinking sort of how it might play out and who would win? I mean, off the back of the Usyk fight, I was very much of the mind that Derek still had a lot to give and that he still really did have a leg in the heavyweight ranks. Not, not in the top five, but barely in the top 10 to some extent, right? But still had his place. And for me, this fight was going to be what determined how enthusiastic I really could be. Because as I say, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Derek. I really am. And I love this second, we, I guess it really is the second wind he's it having. Maybe, maybe third wind, if, depending how you want to look at it. But this one was really frustrating for me because mm. I've now watched the fight three times. Okay. Because I wanted to make sure that my bias and me being a fan yeah. wasn't swaying my pull because i'll be honest on first watch and seeing the results come in i I was really really annoyed because i genuinely believed that derek did enough to convincingly win i I would i would have not been pissed if it had been a draw truth be told because as subjective as judging can be there is there was definitely close elements of this fight okay so i'll get my fanboy status out the way there so then I watched it a second time just to try and work out how the hell anybody could have scored this 116-111. Crazy. Because that was that was the thing that was keeping me up last night. That was the <laughs> bit where I was just thinking to myself, 
holy, maybe I shouldn't box. What judge? If, if, what if, judge gave that score? That was the Polish judge. Oh, Must have been Arthur Spilker's wife or something. I don't know. <laughs> like, it just, I don't know who he was. I don't know which fight he was watching. I mean, for me, it was simple, right? Rounds one to five, Chisora was a brute. Yep. He he had him down in the first 10 seconds and it was a legit knock, knockdown. I yeah, won't hear any of this. It was a good one. Yeah. Then, as per usual, rounds five through eight, the tank goes. Parker picks it back up. He's circling. He's, you know, it's starting to shark it. Jabbing. Yep. Jabbing, moving around, you know, really keeping it. But then rounds nine through 12 were seesaws. That There were times that I thought that Parker could possibly have ended it and he mm. failed to. Mm-hmm. And it felt like he chose not to almost because he was too scared to get too close still. Mm-hmm. And then out of nowhere, as is the precedent, Chisora found ways to get into it. I mean, you know, he was he was taking a lot to the body and he was landing. So he was getting points, I would have thought. But they weren't paying the body shots weren't paying dividends for him. He re- they yep. really didn't seem to wear Parker down so much. Um you definitely saw Parker clinging on a bit more than usual. And I think he was definitely being put into deep waters. But truth be told, I haven't been impressed with Parker for a little while. I like the guy. I think he's I think he's a nice, likable heavyweight. And that's maybe why he's not a good heavyweight. You know yeah. what I mean? Because oh, I don't I'm, think I'm, he's I'm got... I'm going to touch on Parker. Don't worry about that. I'm going to, we're going to speak I don't think he's got I don't think he's got that killer instinct that most nope. of these heavyweights have. And and it also begs the question about the current state of the heavyweights coming up. If you can't put away Derek Chisora when he's gassed out in rounds nine through 12, mm-hmm. then how the hell are you going to do anything to Anthony Joshua or Tyson Fury or even Dillian White, even Deontay Wilder? And I can't believe that's coming out of my mouth, but I'm not <laughs> sure you have the minerals to mix it in the top five. And I think Derek, in that respect, is a, I don't want to say gatekeeper, but I think he's a beautiful testing it's a good benchmark, isn't it? Yep. He is, because he can still really make you think, and he can still give you one of the hardest nights of your life. And you can see even Andy Lee wasn't sure they'd done enough to yeah. get the win. And I trust that man's judgment. Yeah, yeah. Well said, well said. I, th- I think for me, uh, it was a close fight. Um, and I think I, I could see, the, I can see Parker, as in if the decision went to Parker, I would as it did. I wouldn't have batted an eyelid if it went to Chisora. I wouldn't have batted an eyelid either. Um, it was one of those, I think it was that close where you literally could have gone either way. And if it was a draw, which I think I think would have been most fitting, I also wouldn't have batted an eyelid. I'd be like, cool, yeah, fair. It was, I think it was a close fight. Um, obviously, I saw the comments after people were saying robbery and whatnot. I, it wasn't a robbery to me. Personally. I think the only issue I had was obviously the 116-111 scorecard. I think, mm. that was, I think that was ridiculous. I was there thinking, what fight were you watching, bro? It was, it, it was, it was one of those. It could have gone either way or draw. Literally, it was, it was one of those ones. So I think the split decision was fair, and yeah, I just had an issue with that scorecard. That was my only grab. That scorecard from that judge. But so it, with, with that scorecard, he's given Chisora three rounds. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Which basically. I think is crazy because he, Chisora easily. won the five first five comfortably, easily. Even if you're biased, you're giving him at least four. Even if <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It was that that scorecard was ridiculous. Um. Yeah, as you said, Danny, the first five rounds was Chisora. We knew how he was going to come out like a bull, same as he did against Usyk. Just come, rough rough up Parker inside, crack the body shots. And obviously, the first 10 seconds, he's hitting with a shot. I think as Parker's turning, it sort of hit sort of his ear slash sort of back of the head kind of thing mm. and dropped him. Flash knockdown. He wasn't actually that hurt, Parker. He, no. was more, 
he got up, he looked a bit more bemused even. Like he was like, oh crap, how did I get caught there? But um, yeah, obviously that's a 10-8 round to Chizora off the bat straight away. And he built on that with the confidence, take that into round two and two to five, stalking Parker, get him up against the ropes, using his weight, being rough, heavy-handed, etc. We knew that was going to be the game plan. That's sort of all Chisora can do at this stage of his mm. career, right? That's all he can do. He's a bit limited in terms of actual, you know, boxing and whatnot. But what, if it comes to roughing up his opponent and stalking the opponent, he's really good at that. And still switch hitting though. He's still trying yeah. to switch it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he must... yeah. He's yeah, yeah he is. He's uh, doesn't know yeah. how to defend when he switch hitting, but he's still switch hitting. <laughs> you know, the, the, the switch hitting was like I was like, wait, why? <laughs> this guy's really fully switch hitting on Parker, you know, and he was cracking the body all night. And I was there thinking that this body, because obviously good body work to me will always tell on you towards the end. And fair play to Parker. The body work didn't really affect him too tough. Um, but for me, I've said it before, Joseph Parker. Um, I think he's, it's so easy to make an impression against Parker. Just make the, make the fight ugly. Be horrible in there. And he doesn't like it. He doesn't like it at all. And to me, yeah, Joseph Parker is so, so frustrating because... You can see the ability and you can see the tools he has. He actually has great tools. Uh, fast, fast hands. Good combinations. Decent jab. He's quite tall and rangy. He's got, he's got a, lot, a lot of good tools to use. Fights well on the inside as well. He, yeah, he, he does fight well on the inside. He does, yeah. But his niceness is what kills him. Um, I think he could have knocked him out in the 11th. I honestly think he mm. walked away from a knockout opportunity. I believe jo- it was Joe Parker round. is not a killer. I said it time and time again. He doesn't have that mongrel. He doesn't have a dog in him. Dylan White was a much worse, well, I'm going to say much worse. Now, obviously, Dylan White's improved leaps and bounds. When they fought, Dylan White was the worst boxer, technically. You can see that clearly. How White won, he made it a dog fight. He was ugly. Mm. He was nasty in there. And Parker couldn't hack it. And... I think his niceness and the fact he hasn't got a killer in him at all, he hasn't got a killer bone in him, has what is what's held him back. Because there were, as Danny mentioned, there was portions in that fight where he was far too passive. As in, he's made Chisora Chisora's missed. So we know Chisora is wild, wild, and as he gets tired, the punches get more tired as well. And he's avoided like a couple of Chisora's big swings. And instead of him to punish Chisora on the counter, he's just passive for some reason. I just I, I didn't understand it. Um, it was it was annoying me to be honest. I was thinking, "Oh, get him now! He's gassed out. He's tired. Get him now!" But he he wouldn't press the action. And to me, Joseph Parker at top level, he's finished. I can't. I, I said close. I said it last episode. If you're going life and death with Derek Chisora, this was a split decision. So he went life and death. We saw it. You I, you can't hack it at top. I'm sorry. How are you going to fight the likes of Joshua and and, and Fury and stuff like, bro? It's just not it. It's, it is what it is. I feel bad mm. for saying because I do like him. He's a nice guy. Everyone says he's like one of the nicest guys in boxing. Every every Parker interview I listen to, I come away thinking, man, this is a really, really nice guy. You know, like he's so nice, like a cool, calm, collected guy, very respectful. But unfortunately, I think that lack of killer is is is, is what's held him back. And is why I can't back him against any of the top heavyweights anymore, personally, for me. What about you? Do you what were your thoughts towards it? I know that sounds harsh, but there is what it is, man. Um, yeah, I, I agree with what both of you have said. I'll be so real. Um, when I was watching the fight, the, at first I thought the, the knockdown was back of the head. I was like, clearly that's back of the head. Then I saw the replay and I was completely mm. wrong. It was a clear yeah. shot. Yeah. And he's just too easily roughed up. Um, mm. 
He's not dirty. He's not dirty, or he's not. You know, there's certain things you can do in the ring, which is you're borderline on the road. Yeah, you're getting away with things. You can rough people up a bit. You can use the shoulders a little bit to yeah, sort of, yeah, 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 yeah. Just be a bit ugly. Use your elbows. He, yep. he's, he's too nice. He's Four too polite. Yeah, and he's too easily roughed up. Um, yeah, I think I think that he said in the eleventh round there was a time where Chisori was ready to go, and he just let him come back into it, and I was just like. You've got to be a killer at times. And if you want to mix up at the, at the, the top level still, then you've got to be beating Shizura. You have to. Comfortably. Comfortably. So your class. Yeah, I, I, I would have thought a draw's fair. Um, I can see why people have said that Shizura didn't win. I can see why Parker did win. The scorecard's nuts. <laughs> that one scorecard's nuts. Wait, I'm going to ignore that. Well, that's a matchroom <laughs> thing, isn't it? That's becoming a matchroom <laughs> thing. There's got to be one not funny, funny uh, scorecard. <laughs> It's, huh. it's, it's it's expected. I, I knew something stupid would happen when the scorecards came out. Um, uh. But yes, I agree with what you said, Danny. Um, I still think Chizora because people are calling on him to retire now, saying no oh, yeah. way. He, he's got lot, he's got a lot left in the tank, isn't it? Yeah, he's had two two back to back pay per views now, and he's not had a bad showing in either of them. He's active. He's more active than most heavyweights in the top ten at this stage. Mm-hmm. Let's face mm-hmm. it; it doesn't matter which joke of about your following like he is the more active and yeah sure he's aging yeah sure his tank isn't what it used to be yeah sure by rounds nine through 12 you're you're probably looking at him but he still finds a way to make people regret turning up on the night and you see that in their faces you see that in their eyes so i i say long live chisora i really do I'm, i'm with you I've got to agree. These guys are meant to be the top level and it, they're going back life and death with Chisora. Yep. Usyk's meant to be uh, this phenomenal guy that he's meant to take on AJ and beat AJ comfortably. And then people are saying he arguably won against Usyk and people are saying he's arguably beating a former world champion, Joseph Parker. Uh-huh. He's still got a lot to give and he will beat a lot of these younger up-and-coming guys who think 100%. they can... 100%. Yeah. I'm, I'm telling you. Um, he's got he's got a good good few fights in him, and he's not being knocked out. He's not being stopped. He's not being embarrassed. Yep. I still want to see him in some big fights. I've said it before as well. If you come and fight Chizora, what this current um, iteration of Chizora, this war persona that he's got now, obviously hooked up with David Hayes, and he's motivated. He comes in shape and whatnot. The way Chizora is now, if you come unprepared, you try you come underestimating him, you're in for a tough tough night's work, boy. And he, he he's gonna dog you. So to me, yeah, there's definitely a lot left in the tank. I didn't see a finished Chisora yesterday. Yeah, this is what he's what eleventh, twelfth loss. But he, off the back of his last two showings, we said I've said it before, Flo. There's a way to win. I mean, there's a way to lose. You can lose in a good way, and both of these losses back to back have actually probably raised his profile even more. People are respect respecting him. Obviously, I don't know if you guys saw his the post fight interview, his comments. Obviously, he was livid. A part of me, I had people messaging me saying that, you know, I thought Chizora's paying. Like, you know, I, I really I really thought he should have got that one, etc. So a lot of people are, you know, sort of riding with him even more now. And, um, you know, they True, but he also doesn't do himself any favours. What, 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 with think the antics or? With his antics generally. Okay. And uh-huh. you would choose when you play that card. Because after mm. the Usyk fight, that mm. card seemed absolutely ridiculous. Because I'm mm. sorry, he didn't win that fight. Yeah, but I agree. To David Hay and him, you know, they were... Adamant or going Tony on belly. Tony Belly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I forgot, you know, I forgot exactly. my belly. But but then of course this time I completely agree with him. But it, it's sort of the boy cried wolf thing, isn't it? You've mm. got to pick your moments when you're gonna play those 
stunts, right? And, and and I think everything that was happening before the the fight was was just a little bit embarrassing as well with the coin toss thing and such because you're that's, still a sportsman. That's Chisora. He look. I'm so used to that. Like I, I actually bat an eyelid when that happened. I saw it and I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. It's Chisora being Chisora. He does this all the time. He, he, if he he knows the repercussions that if he wasn't to show up and he was to walk out, he knows that that's him done. Match room. Like he, they won't put him on the pay per view again. Yeah, no one's, no one's going to take him seriously. So he knows. He, he, it's just Derek being Derek. That's, he has an odd way, I guess, of marketing his fights and drumming up more interest. He's always done that. So, yeah, that's just him. I'm used to that now. <laughs> his deep rantics. Yeah, it's very odd. Um, but yeah, um, I'll, I'll still like. I'll, I'll see a rematch. I'll see a rematch. I'll be honest. Um, maybe I'll not pay per view. I'm, I'm not excited for. It. I don't think it should be pay per view either. But I'll tune in as a, as a fan, I guess, as a boxing fan. But I, I think a rematch. I think Parker. I'll probably lean towards Parker winning the rematch. To be fair, I think he fight him in a, mm. in a different way. But yeah, I think he 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 he's on the rematch. And well played to Andy Lee for saying that you know they were happy to give him. And Parker was like, I'll have to give you a rematch. That's fine. So mm. we could see that. Um, I reckon they only want that because that will probably secure them a slot on the anti Joshua Tyson Fury card. I think <laughs> yeah. I think that's probably the only reason that yeah. they, you know. They, and if they put it on that, then fair enough because it'll probably be the biggest payday either of them have had in yeah. a long time. Mm. Yeah, um, I just, yeah, for Parker, I guess what well, that makes him like, what? I don't know if he, that moves him, like, makes him like number one contender for one of the belts or whatever, but I just don't see how he can beat these top guys when he's just, yeah, he just doesn't have that killer in him. I don't think it's something we can learn. I think that's just him. Um, so I, I, I don't really see him pulling up any further trees. Congrats to him. Obviously, he's had a great career, world champion mm. and whatnot, but I just, compared, compared to some other guys, I just feel like he, He'll get dogged in there each time. Mate, look at where he is right now in the WBO rankings, all right? He is number three, and he's in between Deontay Wilder and Joe Joyce with Alexander Usyk at number one. I mean, mm. I'm sorry, but I, I don't think... I think even <sighs> Joe Joyce beats him, you know? I won't lie. I agree. I agree. <sighs> um, <laughs> well, I guess we're going to move on to another fight that happens, and I, I want to I see what you guys think of, of that, but yeah... yeah. I don't, I don't think Joseph Parker's top level. He needs to prove he's top level, and mm. I don't think he, he'll be able to do that anymore. But mm. we'll see. Mm. Okay, it's a nice segue then, because obviously you mentioned the other fight that happened. The only other fight that was worth talking about from yesterday was the return, another return of Andy Ruiz Jr., um, the four, the ex conqueror, one time conqueror of AJ. Uh, we know the story what happened there. The rematch came horribly out of shape. You know, he obviously that win for AJ catapulted him into superstardom, got to his head. He bought loads of cars, chains, houses, etc., <laughs> and put on loads of weight and didn't train. Um, but yeah, since then, I think it's what it's been two years since we've seen him. Um, hooked up with Canelo's trainer, Eddie Reynoso, who's probably the best trainer in the world right now. Let's be honest, he can't do no wrong. Um, um, yeah, shed all that weight, he's back motivated again, he's come in great shape. And I guess it's a nice little combat fight, a nice little Mexican war with Chris Ariola, who has been around for years. I think Ariola is 40 now. Um, yeah, just an old sort of war horse. Um, Flores, we sort of predicted that, you know, this is it's going to be a nothing fight and Andy Ruiz is going to have make short, quick, easy work of Chris yeah. Arioli, Ariola. Uh, it's fair to say we were wrong. <laughs> very, very wrong. Um, I caught that fight this morning. Um, watched it this morning. 
And yeah, it was, I guess, a surprising fight. Um, Ariola was game. Probably the best shape I've seen Ariola in, you know. Yeah, <laughs> looked in good shape. Um, yeah, he had Joe Goosens in his corner. Um, legendary trainer, Joe Goosens, good trainer. Um, yeah, he's come in phenomenal shape. Phenomenal, phenomenal shape. And second round now, he's dropped Andrew Ruiz, <laughs> which no one saw coming. Um, yeah, dropped Andrew Ruiz. Nice little counter, counter left hook, I think it was. Andrew Ruiz was hurt. And he, he's, he's actually hurt Ruiz a few more times in that fight, in that second round and also the third round. Yep. And I'm there thinking, wait a second, are we going to get... Surely not. Surely, surely not. Um, yeah, it was weird because Ariola was his timing was really good for most of the night. And each time Andrew Ruiz was looking to fire his combos, Ariola would just time him really, really well and catch him. And he seemed heavy-handed. And I noticed from the fourth round, that's when I think Andrew Ruiz has started to make his adjustments. And he started doing the hallmarks, I would say, of Eddie Reynoso's fighters, he started going to the body. Um, he started resting to the body a lot, banging to the body, which what Eddie Reynoso's fighters always tend to do. Punching um, the arms. Punching the yeah, all of that. Um, and he also, I think what also changed was Andrew Ruiz, before he was the aggressor, and he was the one sort of stalking Ariola, and he was getting counted and whatnot. He then started to let Ariola come onto him. And it's... Andrew Ruiz seemed a lot more comfortable being the counter-puncher as opposed to the, the, the main aggressor. I think that's what I think that's what suits him, him best, obviously, with his with his speed and whatnot. And I guess, yeah, from the fourth round onwards, it was sort of Andrew Ruiz's fight and he sort of started to have his way. But boy, yeah, those first couple of rounds, it was looking like we might have an upset on our hands. Um, so, yeah, surprisingly, I'm going to give credit to Ariola. He came to fight and he came to sort of he didn't come to lie down like I thought he would. Um, Danny, um, what are your thoughts on Andrew Ruiz? I guess um, are you a fan? Do you are you happy to see him back motivated and in shape? Um, do you feel like he's still got some trees to pull up in the heavyweight division, or are you not really looking paying attention to him? <laughs> I want to love Andy Ruiz Jr. I think as a character. As a fighter, stylistically, as you know, he flips the traditional script on heavyweight boxing, and the manner in which he became champion was incredible. You know, I was so confident that AJ was going to walk through him. I was in a nightclub at three in the morning trying to pull a Swedish girl because I thought it wasn't. You know, I thought nothing was going. I was in Stockholm in a nightclub checking Sky Sports app. And by round four, I was running back to my apartment to turn the TV on because I'm like, what the hell is going on? I completely, you know, because I was aware of Andy and I was aware that he was a skilled fighter in that, but I just didn't see it going that way. Now, now let's, let's push it, all right? You know, we know what happened. We know how he turned up to the rematch. We know that since then he's been behind the scenes, burying those demons. Yep. You know, getting his training camp in, uh, in sync. But, but here's the thing. Renoso is a great trainer and he is clearly having a good influence on him. But there was nothing wrong with Manny Robles. There was something wrong with his discipline and with his, his attitude. And there is a reason that he was only heavyweight champion of the world for six months. Not 11 years like the great Joe Lewis, not nine years like Vladimir Klitschko, six months. Uh. And now he's being given a second chance to get it done and to work his way back into that 
and he's looking flat as a pancake against Ariola at times, getting mm-hmm. knocked down by Ariola. He is not learning from his clear precedent of being a very natural counterpuncher yep. and a very fluid combination thrower. Yep. And he's not, and I just, I don't understand how many chances he needs to be given, how many tools, how many resources. We don't need to see him sucking in his gut on Instagram. <laughs> we need to see him turning up and doing his camp and doing himself and doing his people because the Mexican people are ready to get behind him again. They're yep. forgiving. They're ready to get behind him, but he has just not taken this seriously. And I'm not convinced he's taking it seriously. I, Still, okay. anyone, can ha- anyone can have a good training camp. Jake Paul and Logan Paul have great training camps, have great mm. trainers because they can afford it. I'm sure he has some cash left over from those two AJ fights <laughs> to get the training camps right. All right. Now we need to see action. Now we need to see performance. I want to see a disciplined return from the former heavyweight champion. But right now, I'm unimpressed. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Flores, what about you? Were, were, were you impressed at all? Or? Um, no, I thought it was a damning performance. I mm. thought was, um, because you can't be going... You can't be struggling with Chris Ariola. I'm sorry. Because remember what we were talking about, what we want to see from Andy Ruiz. We were like, we want to see him in against Wilder. We want to see him against the other top heavyweights, maybe a dinner white. They're killing him. Deontay Wilder is putting Andy Ruiz to sleep based on that performance. Anyone with a right hand will kill him at this stage. Anybody with a right hand. Your grandmother will kill him. It was that easy. The right hand was... Chris Ariola isn't super quick. He's a game fighter. He turned up in good shape. But I'm sorry, Andy. We, that, whoa, whoa. And we were excited because we said he's clicked up with Eddie Reynoso now. Um, he's lost weight. He looks in good shape. Apparently, he's think, motivated again. He was yeah. saying that, like, this is his redemption. And yeah. what Danny said is interesting because he, he was on social media quite a lot. If you're serious, are you going to be on social media that much? Mm. Are you going to be posting pictures? Maybe uh, not. Depend, depend, well, yeah, it depends. Depend, depend, well. but then, Hey, it's worked for Ryan Garcia. And I guess yeah. he spent a lot of time with him, right? But yep. again, I mean, and, and again, I don't want to shit on his physical appearance because actually the fact that he doesn't look like Anthony Joshua and doesn't look like an Under Armour model is part of the appeal. Because yeah. I've been I've been in that conversation. I've been in that you don't look like a boxer yeah. category. I'm, you know, I, as a fighter, I've never been the guy with six pack abs looking mm. like I've just walked out of the Calvin Klein, you know, spring summer campaign. Mm. So I understand the frustration there, but... The way you counter that is by turning up there and doing exactly what he did in the first fight with Anthony Joshua and making everybody go, holy shit. That's Mm. how you do it. And he's just not doing himself credit at this stage. And it goes to show you can buy the tools, right? You can have the best training team. And and I'm sure that long term, that camp is going to give him great value. I just don't think he's quite piecing it together yet. And I, I don't know if that's demons. I don't know if that's the the fall from grace because that must suck. I've never I've never been heavyweight champion of the world for six months and then lost it. It you know I can't relate. But it's the way you lost it as well. <laughs> it's the way you lost it yeah, as well, and yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a fighting man, so I can only speak for that. And I know for a fact that when you're given the opportunity to do your thing, you damn best turn up. Trust. Damn best turn up because it's a privilege. And I say this, this is tattooed on my bloody Instagram page 24-7. Like, the pressure that boxing gives us is a privilege because mm-hmm. it's the chance to show people what you're capable of. It's the chance to, in his case, make history. And I think he needs to take that privilege a little bit more seriously, personally. Okay. Damn. 
Yeah. I, w- I will say, maybe look, let's give him another chance. This was his first fight with Eddie Renault. So this yeah, is his first I, I, I was going to say um, but I wasn't impressed. I would like to see Andy Ruiz v. Parker now because they both stunk up the gym for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, no, that, that, like... that, that, that's a good fight. I mean, the first fight between them was, was close. Um, really good fight. Um, mm. Yeah, I'll be down for seeing the rematch. The loser is not going to the top level against. <laughs> I, I feel like he tried to, because obviously, like I said, there was a clear, sh- like you could see the difference when he was hyped, when he was being the counter puncher in there as opposed to when he was being the aggressor, right? And yeah. as Danny did, counter punching just it's just natural for Ruiz, um, Ruiz. Even when he got AJ, AJ hit him first, and he came up with instinctive, instinctive counter, counter left hook or whatever. Like that is it's like that's it's so natural to his game. And I feel like he tried to be the aggressor at aggressor at first for the first couple of rounds. Mm. I guess you look at Eddie Reynoso and how his fighters tend to fight. Canelo is yes, Canelo is a good counter puncher, but Canelo also likes to march forward and sort of pressure you as well. Um, um, so, yeah, a few of, yeah, Reynoso, I guess, is that his, his style. So maybe he was trying a bit too hard to emulate that. And obviously he was getting pieced up for the first three rounds. That's when he read, let me just sort of go back to what I do and what's natural to me. And yeah, when he shifted to being the counter puncher, that's when he started to put the rounds, the, the rest of the rounds in the bank. But um, yeah, those first three rounds were a bit worrying. But yeah, I, I will shoot him some bell. Because obviously it's his first fight back in what two years, and his first fight with Eddie Reynoso. So I, I do need to see, I, I do personally need to see him again. I need to see him again in another out. But that's the thing, years. though. Who do you give him? Who do you give him? Because I think Parker, Ortiz, I, I mean, I, mean, I, I all really, these names. I want him tough. to fight Wilder. I, I do want him to fight Wilder. Watch, cool that next, yeah, yeah, give him, give him what? Well, you Wilder's say you, you say that, but but bro, where has Wilder been? Even though we don't even know what Wilder's true, doing. True. Is Wilder even tricked? Obviously, Wilder finally put out a clip the other day of him doing pad work, but that's the first boxing activity we've seen Wilder do. True, true. So I'm happy to make that fight now. I won't lie. I really okay. won't lie. Hey, you know, you know me. You know I have not got much love for Deontay Wilder. <laughs> but hey, at least he took his championship run seriously. Mm. At least he, he defended for a long time. He kept his marbles for a long time. Mm. Sure, he was dismantled when he did finally lose the belt. Yeah. But... You know, I again, I'm just not convinced that Andy Ruiz is champion material. I don't okay. think he's top five material. I would love to be proven wrong. Not top I want five. To like not top five. Oh, the Americans will like you for that one. Ooh, not, <laughs> hey, the Americans already five. hate me, brother. It doesn't matter at this stage. <laughs> okay. The Boy. Americans are just gonna have to deal with it at this point because oh. I, I got not, not much love. And anyway, I thought he was. I thought. These days, I thought he was Mexican. Anyway, who's? I think yeah. he's Mexican. He's Mexican when he's losing, and American when he's winning. Right? Yeah, That's the American way. Basically, I've got to ask Danny then. Who's your top five in the heavyweight? Got to do it now. Top, <laughs> oh, I got to do it now, have I? All right. You have to. So my my top five would probably go Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury, Dillian White. Um, I'm probably gonna have to throw. Usyk in there then as well, and that's four, isn't it? And and just because I'm biased, I'll, I'll throw in Michael Hunter because I love the guy. The Wilder, okay. The Wilder, no, no, that's, that's fine. I'm I'm happy with that one. No, 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 no Wilder, and that's honestly that's just complete bias. If I was going to go and actually do it logically yeah. and that, then I'd have to put Wilder in there. But oh, the, you ask my, you ask my yeah. my bias, and and I'll, the only reason I'll give him that is because I respect how long he kept it together. But I didn't, I didn't respect the way he lost it, and I definitely didn't respect his reaction to it. And, and honestly, I, again, when it comes to champions, when it comes to the top five, 
Mm. I'm not just looking at performance. I'm also looking at how you the, conduct the sort of legacy and how they conduct themselves. Okay, and I'm, I Wilder, Wilder, I was already on the fence about because anybody that starts talking about killing people in the ring, I'm immediately mm. like, you know, not not on with. And there were there were some comments he made previously that I really didn't sit well with me. And yep. so yeah, I mean, honestly, I'll take Michael Hunt around and put Wilder in there for the sake of real reality and how they've stacked up but michael yeah. hunter should not be slept on i i'm convinced michael yeah. Hunter's a great, fighter. great great fighter and great fight coming up as well yeah i agree it's, i agree it's, it's I, think, I don't know now, yeah yeah, I yeah. Think so, yeah cool wonderful I, I can't wait for that one need, I really that. need that. that um but yeah we'll see how that plays out but yeah it's good to have andy ruiz back i guess in the fold anyways um yeah we'll see how he looks in the second outing but yeah, it was a bit. It was he had some ropey moments in there, and yeah, credit to Ariola for being game and actually you know, being in shape. And his post-fight interview was hilarious. I don't know if you guys caught Ariola's uh, post-fight. What yeah. he said, um, absolutely, listeners, if you if you just like go go and find it, absolutely hilarious. That's one of the best post-fight interviews I've seen in ages. Like Chris Ariola <laughs> does that. I remember one of his old <laughs> post-fight interviews where he was took, he's he's just a funny guy. So. Yeah. He's, he's got a few post fights. He, he don't give a damn, funny. does he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He just says um, what was on his mind. Yeah. But yeah, jury's still out on Andy Ruiz Jr. We'll see how he is. We'll keep an eye on him to see if he can hey, still He's only had 36 up. fights. He's only had 36 fights, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Damn. Damn. It's, it's, good. It's, it's good, though, because <laughs> what the ritual you're giving Ruiz, yeah, I guess it's, it reminds you of what me and Flo say about Luis Ortiz. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we're always killing that guy and everyone rates him and everyone loves him and whatnot but yeah similar sort of ritual I guess but yeah um, cool that rounds up I guess the weekend's action what an amazing weekend it was in terms of act, actually, uh, fights we had go let's on give, let's give a quick shout out to Sonny Edwards oh we yes he won oh. yes and, he, and yeah he was and he he wasn't he wasn't fancied for that fight as well the guy he beat was a freak but he's what a 13 year champion or something like that. Yeah, number he's he's number one in, yeah. in that flyweight division. Yeah, he hasn't lost for ages. And Sonny Edwards took him to the cleaners. Like it was it was a masterful performance. So shout out to Sonny Edwards, man. Shout out to Sonny that's Edwards. Crazy. That's a that's a big, big win. Um, yeah, fantastic victory to be honest. Um, we'll go under the radar because I don't think anyone sort of cares about was it flyweight? Yeah, flyweight. Yeah, no, no one pays much mind, but that's a huge, huge win. And UK has another new world champion. So shout out to him, man. Great, great victory. Love that. What a family. What a family, you know. Two, two yeah. world champions in one family. And, yep. uh, and and one of them is not very good at being hit, which is great. Yeah. They'll have a long career. <laughs> um, it's only right that now we move on to the big one for next week. Um, I guess it's one that a lot of us have been waiting for. Um, Canelo. Versus Billy Joe Saunders, it's it's actually happening, man. Billy Joe Saunders hasn't found a way to sort of mess this one up. <laughs> fingers crossed. Hey, yes, yeah. <laughs> fingers crossed. But it's going down. Um, a massive, massive super middleweight clash. We've we've we've. What I mean, flows. What, what what can we say about Canelo? Like we said, he's on that legacy thing. He's trying to fight all the best fighters, collect yeah. all the belts. This is another piece of the puzzle for him. He's against a real live opponent that's considered elite as well. Um, I think we sort of briefly canvassed this when it was made in terms of how we thought it was going to play out. We felt like Billy Joe Saunders is going to have to sort of box the best fight of his career to even 
be close to getting the decision against Canelo because he's not going to knock him out. We know this from the jump. We know he's not going to knock him out. Yeah. And to get a points win against Canelo is just borderline impossible. So Billy Joe Saunders is going to have to be make. He's going to have to be like Mayweather in there and make Canelo look like Canelo when he fought Mayweather in terms of having completely missing. It will have to be so clear cut that for, for him to get the decision. And I just don't think that's possible. I really don't. Um, do you, any changes in terms of our prediction flows, in terms of how he thinks it's going to go down? Or do you think more or less Billy Joe will be elusive in there, but Canelo will get to him, he'll bang to the body and slow him down and get to him in the end? Um, we've talked about this fight so many times that yeah. <laughs> my, opinion, my opinion hasn't changed. I yeah. think Billy Joe is going to have to be the best Billy Joe we've ever seen and Canelo mm-hmm. is going to have to be the worst Canelo we've ever seen. Yeah, uh, Billy Joe to get a points win. Mm. Uh, we won't see the worst Canelo we've ever seen. We might even um, see the best. <laughs> we might see the best. And I do believe we'll see the best Billy Joe Saunders, but I just don't think it will be enough. To it's beat. not enough. Yeah. And he, he could win it on my scorecard, all our scorecards, but will he win it on the judges' scorecards? Impossible. The answer is no. So, yeah, I, I don't... It's just it's just an impossible mountain to climb. Damn. Uh, so yeah, wherever Billy Joe turns up, he's not going to win unless it's the worst possible Canelo, and we're not uh, going to see the worst possible Canelo. We're going to see another great Canelo, and yeah. the best Billy Joe probably won't beat the best Canelo. It's as of course as that. not. Yeah. So yeah. Frankly, thankfully, Billy Joe is getting super, you know he's getting well paid for this. Um, <laughs> this impossible task, Danny. Um, just this sort of for the listeners in, in terms of. What are your thoughts towards Canelo and Billy Joe um, as fighters? Are you a fan of both of them? How do you see this one playing out? Yeah, I'm a huge fan of both of them. Um, Billy Joe is a great fighter, but this is Canelo. And Canelo has had 28 more fights than Billy Joe Saunders and has only fallen short against Floyd Mayweather and, of course, the very controversial draw against uh, Triple G and sorry one other draw as well but I don't see a scenario in which Billy Joe Saunders wins this fight and I wish I did I I really wish I did I I think Billy Joe Saunders has the tools to keep it competitive I think I think Billy Joe Saunders if he turns up and is the best he's ever been can give Canelo something to think about and that's no mean feat given the form this guy is on and how he has jumped from weight class to weight class and made people look poor you know what I'm saying? So champions, <laughs> elite champions, fighters. Yes. elite fighters. So I, Canelo's experience and current form make it very hard to bet against him. And I try to back the Brit whenever I can, but on this occasion, it's just very hard to do that. If if Billy Joe Saunders could get this one across the line, That's what? not only does he deserve it, yeah, uh-huh. it would be one of the biggest. British upsets in history. Probably Bro, not, the biggest. Not, not just British. This is one of the biggest upsets in, in boxing history. I won't yeah, lie. In boxing, I won't lie to but, you. But God, the Brits need it, man. We <laughs> fucking need it. <laughs> yeah, we need to one up on the Mexican. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> Even up the school Imagine if this, was the, if this was the fight where the table was turned and the Brit Bro. beat the Mexican. I mean, uh, I sadly, I just don't see it happening. Yeah. I see Billy Joe Saunders going in there, leaving it all in there. And I, I, like you said, this is probably his biggest payday to date. He deserves this shot. He deserves this glow. He deserves the attention that he's going to get in this fight. And, and I just hope 
that he manages to seize the moment. I really do. But mm. I, I rate Canelo. Canelo is one of my favorite fighters to watch. He's, he's a constant source of inspiration. I, I wish I could say with confidence that I thought Billy Joe Saunders was going to win this one. No, that's fair. I think we're all on the same page with that one. It's just, it's just too big of a task. It really is. Canelo is that good. I think I've said it before. I don't, I can't look at anyone in the world right now who can beat this guy. I'll be honest. From 160 to 168. I don't see anyone beating him at the moment. Just the form. He's getting better with each fight as well, which is scary. <laughs> he's yeah. looking scarier, more powerful, more polished with each fight. It is so, so scary. And Billy Joe definitely has, Billy Joe's the elite fighter. Um, mm. Very, very good boxer technically. Elusive, um, amazing movement of footwork. But yeah, it's just Canelo is too good. Um, I, I, I think Canelo can knock him out, but I don't think he would. I think it's going to be a decision, a UD, and yeah, Canelo is damn near impossible to. Not only, not only is he impossible. I mean, he's never been down. If Canelo can't, if Triple G can't put him down or shake him, Billy Joe Saunders ain't got, got hope in hell, and mm. he's he's impossible to outpoint either. He's always on the front foot. <laughs> Making you, he's gonna, you know, make he's gonna smother your work. Well, not smother your work, but make your work non-existent, really, more or less. And he's gonna bang you to the body and to the face constantly. So, yeah, I just don't see who can beat Canelo right now. And unfortunately, Billy Joe, it's just another scalp, another matchroom scalp for him to claim. To be honest, um, yeah. I mean, but, what, yeah, go on. I've been noticing Billy Joe's. Um... He's he's doing all this social media beef with Eddie Hearn before the fight, which I don't get right now. You've got mm. you've got the biggest fight of your life coming up, and you're beefing with your promoter over. What's, what's what's he saying? Well, he's saying that Eddie's on Canelo's side. That Eddie's yeah. taking pictures with Canelo. Eddie's <laughs> Canelo's oh. receiving more of the promo, and this that. And <laughs> so I think he complained about some of the judges. That Billy, he... Billy, <laughs> if I'm Hearn, I'm on I'm on Canelo's side too. I'm on whatever I'm on whatever side Canelo is. That's the biggest cash cow in boxing, fam. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> it's as simple as that. Of course, he's gonna. Of course, Canelo's gonna get more promotion. It's as simple as that. Who does he want to keep? <laughs> Bro, Eddie Hearn. Joy, he, want, he wants to keep Canelo. If Canelo Eddie, loses, he wants Canelo. He's got AJ, no and he's got he's got AJ and Canelo. Why? Do you, of course, he's gonna be. <laughs> come on, man. That's I, I feel that way when anybody starts complaining on that side of things, and you know, I. I've worked with fighters sort of on the marketing side and that. And I, so I've, I've been able to have conversations about the business and yeah. I, I, that really interests me. You know, if you can't understand that the two guys at the top of the table right now are making it possible for you to go in and have the best paydays of your life, then I think you're missing the point somewhat. And if you want to play that game, because you can, you can have a long career and make subtle money from boxing very easily. That's that, that is the, designated route generally for fighters all right so if you're in that 10 percent that are actually getting the paydays that are actually getting to fight on the international stage let alone in the last year and a half when quite frankly you've been lucky to be getting out once a year if you can't understand that you're among the privileged few in that scenario then i think you're missing the point and, and with the whole billy joe saunders situation i can't help but feel it, it's his mate Tyson behind the scenes kind of fanning the flame there a little bit too. One surprise, yeah. It's, I mean, when I look at Billy Joe, like a lot of people say he deserves the shot he, he got. Um, <laughs> I was waiting for you to say. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I hear that because he, he's talented, he's skilled, um, he's a good fighter, 
He's he's beating everyone. He's undefeated. But then, I mean, he was meant to fight Bubu Andrade. First, the first fight collapsed because of um, he failed a drugs test. Yep. Um, whether he was guilty or whatever, that doesn't matter. Um, then the second fight was meant to be announced, and he moves up. Even his route to the title he, he currently holds was damn near easy. Who did yep. he beat? I, I don't remember. It's on random. So he's, he's got he's basically got a freebie title, <laughs> and now he's positioned himself by that title. Great great career move, by the way, because now he's got the biggest fight in boxing for himself. So he needs to be appreciative of, of this opportunity. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. he's, I, I guess he's grafted to this point, but then even so he's, it's been very strategic. He's not like he's fought everyone and beaten everyone to get it. He's just made the right steps at the right time. He's avoided the potential loss of people on trades. That's a 50, 50 to me. And he's almost got an easy route to uh, career change and money. So don't don't mess around with going having social media beef with your promoter over this. Nah, Eddie Hearn's <laughs> the best thing that happened to his career. Yep. Like this nothing of this magnitude he would, he would, would even be in discussion under Frank. That partnership. He, no. would never, he would have never got this opportunity under Frank. Let's be real. I, I don't believe so. I don't believe yeah. so. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. So both of it's the Canelo decision win from all of us, I guess. Um. But I'm looking. For, I think it'll be a good fight. I'm looking for yeah. Canelo is always a good fight. Sent. Yeah, I think it'd be exciting. It'd be interesting clash of styles. Um, so I'm 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 excited for it, man. I really am. I just hope that both of them fights to the best of their ability, and we can see what's up. But yeah, it's impossible to. You can't see past a Canelo win. To be honest, it's it's, it's hard to look past that. It really is. Um, by, yeah. Billy Joe's by no no means done. After even if he loses, yeah, of course, still not. big fights out there for him. Oh, absolutely. I want to see. Yeah. It's almost just the beginning for him. Really, yeah. truly. If he puts out a great performance and endears himself to the American public, even you know that's that's great for him. It's a great look for him overall. So, yeah. Um, and then maybe that boo boo fight can finally happen. Who knows? Um, but yeah, just quickly before we round up, um, I want to touch up on another fight that another world title fight that I think has landed on the undercard for this, um, for the vacant IBF um, super featherweight title. I believe it's Jazza Dickens versus Kid Galahad. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's confirmed on the undercard, yeah. Um, well, from what I saw, I, on, I saw a news report about it. I think Kid Galahad sent a tweet about it as well. That, that's happening. Um, yeah. Um, Dan, I want, I'll come over to you. Um, I, I think you're familiar with Jazza Dickens um, and obviously Kid Galahad as well. Uh, what are your thoughts on that one? Um, yeah. I, I think it's great. I mean, um, Jazz Jazz has trained out of Fifth Street many a uh-huh. time. He's a, he's a friend uh-huh. of the gym. He's a he's a testament to the grind of British boxing. He really is. That guy has worked so hard to get where he is now, and I'm just so happy to see these kind of opportunities open to him with this kind of fight. I personally believe that where he's at in his career right now, he can see Keith Galahad through. I I believe quite comfortably. I don't think that's my bias talking either. I just, I really believe that the wave he's on right now, the, he lives and breathes this sport. His discipline and his turn up has been so consistent. And I, if, if the fight is confirmed, which I didn't realize it was, then, well, then I think this is such a great turn for him and deserving beyond measure. Yeah, I'm going off Kid Galahad's tweet. He tweeted that, the, yeah, that it's happening on the, on the undercard of the, of the Canelo fight. So I'm taking Kid Galahad's word for it. 
it's a promo on it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 like I said, it's it, it sees it, the door. It's yeah, it's one of those ones up in the air, but good fight to have on the undercard for sure, and um, definitely worth tuning into. Tough fight for Jazza, though. Uh, obviously, I know you're close to Jazza and whatnot. Guy had is very skilled. He's a very, very skilled boxer. Oh, no, please don't um, don't get me wrong. This is the, probably the toughest fight of his career to date. And again, I'm under no apprehension that Jazza walks through him. Let's say what I do believe, though, is that this is the time in his career that he can win. I think comfortably. I I definitely agree that it's going to be different to the first fight they had. Um, they fought quite a while ago, didn't they? Yes. Um, Galahad stopped him. Um, yeah. But um, I think it's, it's, it's a completely different fight. Jazz was a much better fighter than he was then. So mm. is Galahad as well, to be honest. Um, mm. it's, a, it's a very good fight. Very good fight. Um, yeah. And we'll, we'll, we'll see if Jazz can pull it off, Danny. But um, it's, it's a tough it's, it's a tough one, but I, I won't lie to you, Danny. Uh, it's I'm a tough leaning, one. I'm leaning towards Galahad on that one. Um, but I do know that Jazz has improved it. Met him like loads since their first fight, yeah. Um, but he's just a very skilled, tricky. He's very tricky, Galahad. He's very, he's quite tough to fight because he's very awkward and um, good defensively. Um, so I, so I think that's why I lean towards him. But Jazza has definitely hundred percent has a chance, and it's it's, I'm not, it's not a right up at all. It's 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 going to be a good, close, tough fight. I reckon, uh, yeah. personally for me, it'll be competitive without a shadow of that. Yeah. What was the when was the last time they were both out? Um, I think Gallagher have fought. Uh, okay, I've got a bit. Jazza fought in December. Yeah, well, it was the golden contract fight for yeah. Jazza. And Gallagher oh, yeah. fought. had last fought last year February, so he, he's coming off quite a long layoff. To be fair, which could play a, a big part in um, yeah, in proceed in proceedings. To be fair, um, yeah, it's definitely an intriguing one. Um, but at least we know a world title is coming to Britain at the end of the day, regardless. So <laughs> another one for us. Um, that's a win for sure. Yeah, and that's that was um, that's uh, that's a title Josh Josh Warrington vacated, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah because he didn't want to fight. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, that was a good idea, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, well, don't Danny, don't worry. We killed him already. We, we really killed him. I know, I know. I listened to that episode. I was proud of you, boys. You did it. You did yeah. the subject proud. Had to. I'm sorry. That was the worst decision ever. But hey. It is what it is. But boy, yeah, we look forward to next week. Make sure you tune in and obviously we'll come back on the Tuesday with our little um, reaction. But man, what an episode this has been, man. This has been a quality episode. I, I, I completely lost track of time. I'm sure this is, I'm sure this is probably our longest episode, right, Flo? Um, what is up there? I'm just definitely up there. But boy, Danny, man, thanks for coming to kick it with us, man. It's been, it's been a great conversation. Um, yeah. Really good. Definitely going to have you on here again, 100%. Um, been my absolute pleasure, boys. Just yeah, just quickly before you do, you sort of want to plug your book and whatnot, and you know where and where the... <laughs> that that was a joke. I ain't really got a book coming. <laughs> FYI, oh boy, well, when, when Daddy's book drops, <laughs> go when my book drops in about a decade, please okay. buy it. Please How about buy pl- it now, Danny? Plug plug your socials for the listeners, so where, you know where where they can, where can they find you at? Absolutely, I'm Carter the Devil on pretty much all of the social platforms. And uh, yeah, and if people are in uh, Miami or London and they're ever looking to, whether they're an amateur or pro or just looking to understand a bit more about boxing, like, it's a community thing, it's a family thing, it's a love thing with the sport. So don't ever be strangers. Perfect, perfect. That's great stuff. That's what's up. All right, cool. Well, this has been episode 36 of the Strap Season podcast. Before we sign off, uh, once again, hit us up on the YouTube, 
Instagram, Twitter, all the streaming platforms, whether it's Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, wherever, wherever your steeds really. Hit us up on that. Like, subscribe, give us a follow, etc. But I've been your boy Cam. I'm your boy Flows. And thanks for keeping it with us. Peace.